Kia ora, everyone. Welcome back to A Seat at the Table with myself, Lauren Coleman, a nutritionist and personal trainer. I'm here to help you achieve your health and fitness goals in a sustainable way, while also improving your relationship with food. This is my third podcast episode, and if you've listened to the previous two, I just want to apologize um, for uh, the nervousness that has probably come across a little bit in the way that I talk. Um, to be honest with you, I'm still quite nervous to record these podcasts. I find them terrifying, so I'm really putting myself out of my comfort zone right now. Um, so please bear with me if it doesn't sound the most professional or the most eloquent um, out of all the podcasts that you've listened to. My hope is that you'll gain something from whatever I'm talking about regardless. Today, I wanted to talk about my favorite topic, um, which is, of course, myself. I'm just kidding. It's not my not necessarily my favorite topic. Um, in fact, I probably don't talk about it that much. I mean, or maybe I do. I'm just not very self-aware. Um, but it's more specifically, I want to talk about my fitness journey, my health and my fitness journey. Um, and the reason why I thought it would be a good idea to talk about that today is to give you guys a little bit more context about my philosophy, um, the kind of things that I do myself to take care of my own health, um, and work on my own relationship with food, etc. Um, and just to give you a bit of a background from how I got here as well. So uh, let's start off from when I first developed an interest in wellness, nutrition, fitness, all of that. I think that I kind of always knew the importance of healthy eating and exercise because that was something that uh, was just common knowledge well I thought it was common knowledge because it was something that was uh, taught to us at school that we needed to eat five plus a day and we should aim for 30 minutes of exercise a day and um, you know it's you, you don't want to we had the food pyramid like you don't want to be eating um, too much junk food and you want to be kind of eating you know like this many servings of this food or this many servings of this food but you kind of learn that in primary school. So, and my understanding was, oh yeah, you want to look after your body so that you have lots of energy and so that you don't get sick and so that you can grow up to be healthy. Um, and yeah, just that it's really good for you. I didn't, I don't think that from a, from the age of a child that I completely understood um, the ins and outs of nutrition and exercise or why you were meant to do it. I just knew that that was something that you should do. And so therefore, like, I think I just recognized that, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's important. Um, and you just didn't really challenge it. Um, which I think is fine. Like kids don't need to know the science of absolutely everything. Um, unless they're really interested in it. Um, I think it was probably more when I became a teenager that I started to get a little bit more curious about the specifics of what it meant to eat healthy and exercise and all of that. 
I think that I was fairly privileged in the fact that I grew up in a household that recognized um, the importance of healthy eating and exercise, um, not to a huge extent, but I think my family knew, they knew the basics of like, if we eat mostly home cooked, um, and if we make sure to include vegetables and we kind of limit access to um, highly palatable, like super processed foods, and that's probably the best thing for our family. So I would, yeah, I would say that both of my parents were fairly health conscious, but it never felt obsessive, um, which I think is a really good thing. Um, I think that I, you know, as a child, I was able to effectively, intuitively eat all the time, um, as most children um, usually can. So you don't really think too much about, oh, how many calories does this have? Or like, um, oh, should I really be eating this? You kind of just eat when you feel like it and you eat whatever you feel like. Um, and then as you learn a little bit more about foods which are healthy for you, you kind of understand that those are the sort of foods that you need to be eating more of. Anyway, <laughs> so it wasn't really until I was a teenager that I started to think a little bit more about nutrition. Um, specifically, the thing that triggered my interest the most was when I started um, getting acne. So around the age of 14, I started getting quite bad acne. Um, and it was really affecting my confidence. And I, I guess I wanted to learn more about what I could do to help it. Um, this was back in the days where like my skincare routine consisted of like clean and clear, like super foamy, like, um, face wash and the St. Ives apricot scrub. Um, and then you put on like an oil-free moisturizer and everything has to be oil-free. Um, and then you like cover up all your pimples and like the clearisil spot treatment. Um, and everything is just like, you know, got salicylic acid in it and it's, um, designed to remove oil and strip your skin and now that I actually know a lot more about skincare, um, I know that if I was struggling with acne still, I would definitely not do that. Um, I don't, I'm not an expert on acne now. Um, by no means am I trying to like pretend that this is something that I know he heaps about, but obviously there's a lot of reasons behind why we get acne in the first place. Um, and Hormonal acne when you're a teenager um, is obviously extremely common and it's to do with the excess oil production that can occur as a result of increased um, hormone production when you're going through puberty. So like it's such a common struggle. Um, I almost wish that it were more accepted and more normalized. Um, I'm not sure if it is now, um, but yeah, um, definitely when I was a teenager, um, it was something that any any other kid that I knew who had acne was also self-conscious of. So it was something that I wanted to do something about. Um, I discovered what 
I came across this book, which was called The Healthy Skin Diet. And um, I might have seen it in Whitcalls or something and then asked my parents to buy it for me um, because the whole philosophy of healing your body from the inside out really, really appealed to me. Um, I thought that that made so much sense. Like I needed to get to the bottom of whatever the root cause was for my acne issues. Um, so that I could get rid of acne once and for all, um, rather than, you know, skincare to me just felt like putting a bandaid over it and not really addressing the real issue, which makes sense in a way, right? Anyway, so I bought this book and I devoured it. Um, it was basically the book contained a meal plan, which was eight weeks. Um, and you could tailor it depending on which specific skin condition you were uh, suffering with. Um, so whether you had acne or rosacea or psoriasis or dermatitis, um, then there was some sort of protocol that you could do to help you with that skin condition. And so this book, it was uh, broken up into different sections. So obviously a big portion of this book was centered around diet um but it also talked about things like skincare that you could do um it even had sections on like breathing exercises and visualizations um and thinking positively <laughs> and uh trying to improve your self-image in the process so it was um I like at the time I was 14 when I read it um it inspired me so so much and it really was it, like everything about this book seemed revolutionary to me because you know I hadn't ever talked about someone um talk about breathing exercises and visualization before so like this was something that I began like incorporating into my routine from quite a young age to be honest um regardless the actual diet component of the healthy skin diet um basically requested a lot of uh niche ingredients that I definitely hadn't used before so um I was like using flaxseed oil mm -hmm. I was using LSA I was taking liquid chlorophyll I was doing apple cider vinegar shots um I was eating a lot of veggies um I wasn't eating any sugar, no dairy, minimal gluten, um, not a huge amount of soy, definitely no coffee. So I was having matcha and dandelion coffee. Um, and yeah, so like it was a very like quote unquote clean diet because the objective was to kind of alkalize the blood and also pull toxins away from the body. Um, and if you're familiar with what either of those mean, then um, you, you probably have an idea of the sort of foods that I would have been eating. Um, by the way, alkalizing your body through diet is not something that is rooted in science and it's not something that you can actually do. So if you ever read a book that tells you that that is the purpose of whatever diet it's suggesting that you follow, then just know that that book is probably not a very evidence-based or accurate one. Anyway, I know that now. I did not know that then. So this diet, I probably stuck to 
better than I've ever stuck to any diet before. This is this was like the first and only like eight week diet that I've ever really committed to. And that was because my skin was my absolute biggest insecurity. I was so determined to do whatever it took in order to improve my acne and make it better. So um, yeah, I stuck to the diet. I did the best that I could. I probably had a few moments where I slipped up, but I really, really took it seriously. Um, in that process, I I lost weight. Um, and as somebody who was already quite a slim teenager to begin with, um, I certainly didn't need to lose weight. Um, I probably bordered on too, um, a little bit too underweight for the height that I was. Um, and I definitely wasn't consuming enough calories in total for uh, my lifestyle at the time, which actually was quite intense so like our parents made us walk to school which was a 45 minute walk there and back which is like around four kilometers um so we did eight kilometers of walking at least each day not including walking around school and our school was like on a hill so we were always walking up and down stairs and always you know just like walking um quite a long distance to get from class to class um and as well as that, I, I played hockey. So we had hockey practice and hockey games throughout the week. Um, and when I was walking to school, I might be, so I might be carrying my PE gear, my hockey stick. Um, and I also did art. So I would often be carrying like a really heavy art folder as well as like textbooks and books. So it actually was quite a lot of exercise for um, a teenager really at that age. Um and yeah, to be thinking that it was sensible to be consuming this like uh, eight week diet, um, which <laughs> really cut down a lot of the major sources of calories in my diet at the time. Um, I look back on that now and I know that that's not a very sensible idea. Yeah. Excuse me one second. Okay. Um, all right. That was my dog. My dog just needed to quickly leave the room. Anyway, as I was saying, um, I was a teenager. I went on this diet. I probably wasn't eating enough calories for how much energy that I was expending. So I lost weight, probably got a little bit too skinny. Um, but yeah, at the time I didn't really think of that as like a bad thing. I don't think I was very aware of my body size too much or very like concerned about it which is actually a good thing um but yeah I think after I finished this diet I um I don't know I, I like okay first of all the, the main question did this diet fix my skin no it did not <laughs> so my skin actually um didn't improve at all and uh, I ended up going on Roaccutane to fix my skin, which it did. So Roaccutane um, really cleared my skin completely. Um, and I really owe Roaccutane to the confidence boost that I got in my later teens because, yeah, my skin really was my biggest insecurity at the time. 
However, when I finished the diet, I still had these thoughts of like, oh, maybe it didn't work because I didn't follow it correctly. Like maybe I could have stuck to it for a little bit longer or maybe, you know, that time where I slipped up and I ate a chocolate bar. Maybe that's the reason why like my skin never cleared up. So I kind of had these self-blaming thoughts already um, from this diet and I couldn't get the idea out of my head that there wasn't a correlation between what we ate and our skin um, and our health in general. So I remained curious about nutrition um, and health quite a lot. Um, and it was something that, you know, like if there ever was something in uh, the newspaper or in a magazine about somebody's diet, um, I would always be, you know, interested enough to read it and learn more about um, how to eat, even though these sources may not have been the best places to be getting dietary advice from. Um, but they were my main sources of dietary advice. So I did start to adopt ways of thinking that aligned with whatever woman's day was telling you that like Megan Fox was eating at the moment. <laughs> so, you know, that typical mentality that I think a lot of people had in the 2010s around nutrition, which was carbs are bad. Um, and you know, like we should be eating um, as minimal as possible and um, getting lettuce buns in our burgers. Um, it was very, I think at the time it was very much about like low carb and just like eating clean, whatever that means. So like, I think clean at that time meant like no sugar, no oil, uh, minimal salt, just minimal processing in general. That was like the goal. So that was kind of like, the idea that I had in my head of um, what you should be eating. Now, when I left school um, and I started university, I went through um, I went through a period of depression. So I really struggled with um, I you know I can't actually explain what caused my depression that I went through. Um, it might have been a breakup that I went through. It could have been the fact that I went to a university that none of my friends had gone to. And then I really struggled with making new friends. Um, it might have been the fact that I just couldn't get into the rhythm at university. And I, you know, failed quite a few papers in, um, at the beginning, especially. Um, and I could really just feel my self-worth spiraling downwards. Um I had a lot of thoughts of not not feeling attractive um, and yeah, just not feeling good about who I was as a person. Um, so yeah, I think with, with being depressed um, in terms of what I was doing for like my eating and my exercise habits, definitely not a lot. Um, I was eating... Uh, you know, I, like I was eating McFlurries for breakfast and um, up and goes and uh, slices of pizza. And I definitely wasn't doing any exercise. Um, I just didn't care about looking after myself. 
Um, but it was kind of a result of what was going on around me and what was causing me to be, uh, yeah, quite badly depressed. Um, I kind I think I must've been looking for some kind of savior, <laughs> something to kind of like pull me out of this depression. Um, so I turned to, I think I started to become more interested in like diets again. I think I thought like, okay, well, maybe I should start looking after myself again. I should start eating healthy. Um, maybe I should try and lose a little bit of weight. Um, because I did start to pick apart my body again. I started to nitpick the way that I looked um, and having a lot of self-critical thoughts. So yeah, this was around the age of 19. Um, my mom is someone who dieted a lot um, as I was growing up and she owned a lot of dieting books. I remember, yeah, one of the books that caught my eye was this book called Skinny Bitch. Um, it was the title that kind of grabbed me <laughs> um, because honestly, I wanted to be skinny. And, you know, like I thought the name was like, it was so kind of uh, just punchy and aggressive and like almost, um, almost crass that I couldn't help but be intrigued. Um, I had no idea what it was going to be about, but it was basically a plug for veganism. So I read the whole thing. Um, I became obsessed with it. I thought it was brilliant. Um, and basically the next logical thing to me that made sense was to become a vegan. Um, so I basically decided almost overnight, oh, well, okay, first I became vegetarian and then I cut dairy and eggs out to become fully vegan. Um, and I really fell into this vegan rabbit hole. So um, after reading the book Skinny Bitch, I <laughs> found a lot of vegan YouTubers on the internet um, because that's another great information source, obviously. Um, I found people such as Freely the Banana Girl, um, who promotes a diet where you eat, um, a lot of bananas. So like, you know, she, she would eat like up to 20 bananas per day sort of thing. Um, and then she would eat like big bowls of potato or rice for dinner. So it was like very intense, um, <laughs> I, there, were, there were other influences like fully raw Christina, who also follows a raw vegan diet. Um, for some reason, this idea of following a raw or mostly raw vegan diet seemed the most inspiring to me. Um, I think I was drawn to that because that just seemed like what would logically be the healthiest possible diet that I could attempt um, because it... Um, you know, like what could be wrong with eating pretty much only fruits and vegetables? Like surely nothing, right? They're the most healthy foods for you. <laughs> um, my various attempts at these different sub-strains of vegan diets didn't last particularly long. Um, but, and I would always, almost always end up back at square one where, where I would like binge and then... Um, feel really bad about myself and then try something else. 
So this went on for uh, like six months to a year of kind of like playing around with like how to actually eat, um, going through phases of like starving myself essentially um, to trying something that was just ridiculous and wacky um, to stopping myself. Um, and yeah, it like looking back on it, it really wasn't a great strategy at all. 10 out of 10 would not recommend, <laughs> um, that anybody tries one of these raw vegan diets anyway. So that was kind of what prompted me to do my degree in nutrition. So I'd already started a degree already in health science, um, because I was so depressed and I failed so many papers, I decided to just completely take a year off. And so I just spent a year working and then I came back to my degree the following year. So it was that year working where I was kind of experimenting with vegan diets and stuff. After that, I went to university. Um, I was still vegan. So I was still like kind of eating a vegan diet. Um, but yeah, I was at university and it's funny because in a nutrition degree, it's not like from day one, you're learning about, oh yeah, this is what you should be eating. Like, this is the best thing for you. It's kind of like the first two years of building up this foundation of uh, learning about biology and physiology and food chemistry and all these things that like, frankly, I wasn't even interested in. So um, I think I kind of just kept still following whatever like weird uh, idea in my head that I had of like what healthy it was supposed to look like um, and it wasn't really until the third year the final year of my degree where we started to actually learn like evidence-based nutrition um, and what I kind of realized was that um, nutrition didn't need to be so black and white um, that, you know, you could include meat, eggs, and dairy as part of a healthy diet. In fact, like they're very nutrient dense foods and they don't need to be avoided if it's for health reasons. Um, we certainly do have evidence to suggest that limiting these kind of foods, um, may be beneficial to help lower your risk of cardiovascular disease and diseases like colon cancer, um, but we certainly don't need to be getting rid of them in our diet. Now, I'm still uh, I'm still mostly plant-based with the way that I eat. So I definitely don't, I try to minimize the amount of animal products that I consume, but this is more of like an ethical standpoint. So it's more from understanding the effects on the environment that our diet has and also um, the way that animals in factory farming are treated and slaughtered, which is kind of what um, made me kind of decide that this was something that I could do to um, minimize the impact that my lifestyle is having on the rest of the world, I guess. So that's kind of more the reason why I opt to eat mostly plant-based now than like for health. Okay, so university was kind of what made me realize that like you don't need to be so extreme 
that there are a few basic principles of what a healthy diet looks like, um, but it's definitely not black and white. I think it was, it took me a few years after university to um, really understand that for myself. And so I definitely went through a lot of phases. It was kind of like I had this pendulum that would swing back and forth of like really extreme to like uh, basically binge eating. Um, and yeah, it was very much like, black and white thinking, all or nothing mentality, like that sort of attitude was very present in my approach to diet and exercise, probably up until, um, probably right up until I did my bikini competition in 2019. Um, so yeah, when I, when I became a personal trainer, which happened during my degree I decided to also complete a personal training course um and then I started working as a personal trainer um as I was like around all these other personal trainers I felt like oh maybe I should try things like tracking macros or oh maybe at the end of the day it really is mostly about calories and protein um and so I was still like quite um easily influenced by these different mentalities and uh what I would kind of find was that like you know if I was if I was like really focused on calories and protein then I might like forget to eat vegetables um, or I might get like so obsessed with like the number that it became unhealthy or I might uh try and eat calories that were way too low for what I should be eating and then I would end up uh like binge eating as well so yeah it was something that I kind of kept really private and I didn't really open up about much because honestly I was embarrassed I wanted to look like I was this role model that had it all together when really it didn't feel that way at all um I struggled so 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 much with like trying to be perfect like Monday to Friday trying to like take pictures of what I was eating, post it on my Instagram, make it look like I was this like mega healthy personal trainer with like the perfect diet. But then like come Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I would be like uh, gorging on cookies, ice cream, chips, like you name it. Like I could eat ridiculous amounts. And I think the only reason why I didn't gain an excessive amount of weight was because I was doing so much exercise Um and so much restricting during the week to kind of keep my weight at an equilibrium. Um, but yeah, I think that it was affecting my mental health quite a lot. Um, and it was definitely giving me major imposter syndrome as a personal trainer um, and a nutritionist. So what's really interesting is that like, Actually, when I did my bikini competition in 2019, um, that was like, that was probably the first time since the healthy skin diet that I had like successfully dieted as well. Um, so I did that in, you know, quite a sustainable way as well in my mind. Um, but it's funny because I would still probably look back on that experience and think, I don't think that I needed to do that in order to 
heal my relationship with food at all. I think I just needed to know that like, you know, I didn't need to be trying to eat 1,500 calories every day. Like actually my maintenance is probably more like 2,300 um, because I was like an active person and I was young, like I didn't need to be cutting my calories so low. So that was probably the eye opener that I needed all along. And I didn't need to go through the whole ordeal of prepping, um, and hyper-focusing on my body and my leanness and then losing my period and, you know, being obsessed with the way that I looked and with me to get to that realization, um, which the bikini competition kind of did as well. So um, as in, like, it made me hyper aware of my body and it probably affected my body image negatively, particularly post-comp as well. Um, but it was kind of like, it was that post-comp period where, like, I fully just gave in to my binge eating. So I just let myself eat as much as I wanted to. Um, I would eat, like, I, at this stage, I decided just to track my calories out of curiosity. Um, and so I tracked my calories every day after my bikini competition for several months. Um, most days I was eating a minimum of 5,000 calories. I would often eat six or seven. Like <laughs> it's almost insane to think about in hindsight. And I like many people might not even think like that that's possible to do. Oh, it's it's very possible to do. Um, when there's a will, there's a way. And my body definitely had a will. So yeah, I gained weight in the process. I must have gained six or seven kilograms um, within the span of a few months. Um, and yeah, I just had to kind of lean into um, whatever my body wanted to do. Um, I don't know if this was the healthiest approach, particularly the tracking calories as I was doing this. Um, and I was, you know, like the food choices that I was making, they were not healthy. Like, well, you know, I don't like to use that term, like talking about foods being unhealthy or healthy, but like there, it's not like I was like binging on like Buddha bowls and like lettuce leaves, like, no, <laughs> it was like pastries, ice cream, like chips, everything, all the good stuff. Um, yeah, so I it got to the point where like eventually my my weight kind of stabilized. I didn't feel the need to eat so much. Um, and I kind of like lost interest in a lot of food. So eventually like, okay, this is fast forwarding like a year. Okay. So like, it was like a year of just like no longer caring about trying to shrink my body or even care about restraining my food in any way. Like if I wanted to eat cake for breakfast, I would have cake for breakfast. Um, yeah. But so it was a year of doing this. And then I kind of got to the point where I was just like, well, like I'm actually craving vegetables. I'm actually craving like, um, eating more fruit, eating the foods that like I used to eat more often. Um, and also like, I think my hunger signals started to normalize. I started to think like, okay, like I'm not actually hungry enough to eat this much food. Um, and I think I tuned into my body a lot more. 
It was around this time that I started having issues with my health. So uh, for those of you who don't know the story of how I ended up with a colostomy bag in 2022, um, it started in 2020 when I started to notice abnormal bleeding um, and abdominal pain that was like quite severe and um yeah just not not something that I was used to at all so this was early 2020 um I went to hospital I found out that I had a infected ovary um I was in hospital for about a week um it turned out one of my ovaries had been abscessed um I needed to have that ovary well I needed antibiotics to kind of uh, heal the infection that was going on there um, and then they basically monitored the health of my ovary after that so this is this is going to be a longer story than it already needs to be but like basically what happened is it took like over a year for um, them to realize like okay we need to actually take this ovary out um, so it was a year of like being in and out of hospital um, being monitored constantly um, having this like underlying anxiety of like okay what the heck is wrong with my ovary um, for them to eventually be like okay we need to take it out so they went to take it out and they realized there's this huge infection of like uh, my ovary and my colon are stuck together they're like abscessed uh, along with my appendix and they need to remove a section of my colon um, I had no idea of any of this because I didn't have any digestive symptoms that would have made it obvious so anyway I essentially I wake up from surgery with a colostomy bag which is a total surprise to me um but yeah so that was a big part of my uh my personal journey in 2022 um I had the colostomy bag for nine months and then I had a reversal surgery at the end of 2022 so it's been just over a year where I have had no health issues at all but basically what I'm saying is that I had it was like 2020, 2021, and 2022 were kind of all big years that were very highly centered around my physical health. So during that time, I did not like in any capacity care at all about dieting. <laughs> I did not want to change the way that my body looked. I simply did not care. All I wanted was for my body to be healthy and for a body that worked. Um, but I also gained an immense amount of gratitude for what my body was able to do. So my, it was kind of like I was forced into uh, what one of my clients would like to call radical acceptance. Um, I had to accept how my body was and I just had to um, appreciate what I had. Um, so I no longer, I mean, <laughs> You can probably imagine that having a colostomy bag would give you a different kind of uh, body image. Um, you'd struggle with a different kind of like mentality around accepting your body um, than maybe like being concerned about the size of your body would. Um, so that was definitely something that I spent a lot of time working through as well. And I did seek out therapy to help me um, 
accept my body while I was going through that. Um, but on the plus side, I not, like completely stopped caring about, you know, how toned was I or how muscular was I or, you know, I basically just put a hold on like changing my body composition at all. I just like did not really care about it, um, which I think was a good thing for me. Um, so ever since then, it's kind of just been like my attitude to body image and health and fitness has just been like, okay, well, like health needs to come first because, you know, health is precious. We never know like what's going to happen. Um, and also at the end of the day, like it doesn't really make that much of a difference to your quality of life, whether you um, are super lean or whether you're slim or whether you're like um, someone thinks that you're in amazing shape or whether you're, whether you're not like, I know that my experience is still speaking from being, having been in a mostly privileged body for my whole life. Um, and I know that I can't truly speak for the people who have struggled a lot more with being marginalized because of their bodies. So I, yeah, I'm aware that like, maybe it doesn't sound as powerful to come from someone with my experience, but I have still struggled with my own body image issues as well. And that was, you know, at the end of the day, that was what prompted me to become interested in nutrition in the first place. Um, and it's just interesting how the way that I've worked through that is probably not the most conventional way either but it's given me a lot of gratitude and a lot of perspective um I think I'll save talking about my actual fitness journey for another day because I've realized that I've talked for so long pretty much only about diet um but I really hope that this has been interesting um maybe inspiring for you um I'm very curious about other people's experiences as well so like if you do feel like you want to reach out to me and talk to me about this particular episode, then please either message me on Instagram or send me an email, um, which I will have attached in the show notes. Otherwise, that's it for me for today. Have a lovely rest of your day and thank you so much for listening to my podcast all about me. <laughs> okay, bye for now.